woke up that day like it was supposed to be a normal day, normal work day. However, early on, I didn't feel very well. So I was like, man, I really don't feel good. Like I was a little nauseous, maybe had a headache. And I decided to lay down. And when my alarm went off, I woke up and it something just wasn't right. It just felt like I was on like a rocking boat. My balance was off. I couldn't move very well. And I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? I have no experience with strokes. I don't know how to spot them. I haven't had a family member that ever had a stroke. And so in that instance, my first my first instinct was to call my wife. All I could really say is something's not right. That's the only thing I could really say. Those three words that I can remember. Something's not right. Something's not right. And he's like, well, what's not right? And I just couldn't answer him. And so I could hear his frustration. And he's like, all right, well, I'll be over soon, shortly. And so in the meantime, me, you know, I'm thinking business. I've got to cancel the meetings that I'm having. He sees me. And he's talking to my client as my client, you know, and he's just nodding his head. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets off the phone, hands me back in the phone. He's just like, get your shoes, your wallet and a shirt. Because I didn't have a shirt on because I didn't get that far. We're going to the hospital. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and welcome to Stroke Stories. It's the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Diabetes can increase the risk of having a stroke. That's because high blood sugar levels can damage and block arteries, which can result in an interruption of the blood flow to the brain. In this episode, we hear from Paul Schmidt from Lansing in Michigan. Paul suffered a stroke at the age of 44. I own my own video production business. I call it a video storytelling agency. That really dominated my time, but for the most part, I was just normal run-of-the-mill stuff, just enjoying the community, enjoying each other for the most part. My son is from a a different relationship, and that had its ups and downs because he was coming to be a teenager. Before the stroke, that was pretty much it. It worked a lot. I was probably what some would consider a workaholic. The stroke itself, I woke up. That day, like it was supposed to be a normal day, normal work day. However, early on, I didn't feel very well. So I was like, man, I really don't feel good. Like I was a little nauseous, maybe had a headache. And I decided to lay down, you know, just take a quick nap before I started my day. I had meetings scheduled with some clients and such. And it was a gorgeous day. I remember that. And I was just, I'm just take a rest for a little bit. So I did. I laid down. And when my alarm went off, I woke up and it, something just wasn't right. It just felt like I was on like a rocking boat. My balance was off. I couldn't move very well. And I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? I have no experience. With strokes, I don't know how to spot them. I haven't had a family member that ever had a stroke. And so in that instance, my first my first instinct was to call my wife, you know, just to let her know that something wasn't right. However, you know, obviously I was having trouble dialing. So, 
luckily for me, you know, with the cell phones, all you you really don't memorize a number. You just hit buttons. You just hit the names and and uh, she couldn't understand what I was trying to tell her. So my second person called was a friend of mine, Malik, who did not live far from me. And he picked up the phone and he said, what is the matter? And all I could really say is something's not right. That's the only thing I could really say. Those three words that I can remember, something's not right. Something's not right. And he's like, well, what's not right? And I just couldn't answer him. And so I could hear his frustration and he's like, all right, well, I'll be over soon, shortly. And so in the meantime, me, you know, I'm thinking business, I've got to cancel the meetings that I'm having because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening here. So I've got to go forward and start canceling these meetings that I have situated. So I'll go into business mode and I try to open my laptop, try to email. I felt like I was on a rocking boat. I couldn't type because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I can't get this to work. So I decided to call. I decided to call a client that because I, I had a meeting at noon or so or 11 o'clock or so. And um, it was already after 1030. And I'm trying to talk to him to try to cancel this meeting. He's not understanding what I'm saying to him. I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm hearing everything that he's saying. I'm just having a difficulty responding. He said the words that I will never forget. He said, Paul, I think you're having a stroke. And I just, I did not know how to respond to that. And he's asking me, because he did not know where I lived. He didn't know how to, how to find me. So he's just like, are you at home? And I was able to say yes. And he's just like, can you tell me where you are? What the numbers on the, on the house are? And I kept saying, Malik is coming. So I see Malik pull into the, my driveway. And I believe I was able to say Malik's here. And my client, Ken, who was on the phone, said to me, let me speak to Malik. And I gave him the phone. Malik, he sees me and uh, he's talking to my client as my client, you know, and he's just nodding his head. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets off the phone, hands me back in the phone. He's just like, get your shoes, your wallet and a shirt. Because I didn't have a shirt on because I didn't get that far. We're going to the hospital. Those were Malik's words. And he got me into his car. I got into his car. I remember him taking me right to the emergency room on the hospital and sitting there. And I'm trying to respond to the questions. People asking me normal, normal run-of-the-mill questions. Do you know what day it is? How do you feel? What is your wife's name? I couldn't even, I couldn't even say what my wife's name was. I remember all of this vividly. And that's what really gets me is because I could understand what people are trying to tell me, but I could not respond appropriately. And then I spent quite a few hours in the emergency room as tests were run, people asking me questions, family members, my wife was able to to come by, my sister. Malik was able to get a hold of my wife and she was able to come as fast as she could. And so all those folks were able to be there. And yeah, and so, you know, it was just test after test, MRIs, CT scan, all this stuff. Paul was in hospital for 10 days. I was told by the doctors, especially after the first two to three days, how my progress was outstanding. 
I was improving leaps and bounds daily while I was at the hospital. But they told me in no uncertain terms there that, yes, you're recovering fast. We're really pleased with your recovery rate. However, this is not normal. This is not a normal recovery rate. You are, this is exceptional. From this point forward, you are going to be susceptible to this situation if you don't take care of yourself from this point forward. So I dove right into the rehabilitation. I had three months of physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy after I left the hospital. So I was constantly going to at least two to three appointments, doctor's appointments after I left the hospital a week at least two to three, and then, you know, multiple days of therapy for the following three months. I was able to graduate from physical therapy quicker, about a month earlier than the other two therapies. And then I was allowed to drive, I think after two months, I was cleared to drive. And then I worked through all of that and was completely cleared at the end of November. I worked really hard on the medical medicine and I was not one who was uh, good at taking pills. That wasn't one of my thing. And so my medications obviously increased for different reasons, different situations that arise. But one of the biggest things that arose from my stroke was I was now diabetic. I was probably pre-diabetic before the stroke. And it was probably one of the causes because I did not regularly go see a doctor or any of that before my stroke. And obviously that's changed. So I made every doctor's appointment. I was really diligent in making sure that this doesn't happen again. So being diabetic, so I was on insulin injections because my A1C in the hospital was at the time when I was admitted was at 13. And so I was working hard at lowering that, getting off insulin to make sure that If I was going to manage my diabetes, I didn't want to do the injections. I wanted to get off insulin. So I worked hard and hard and hard on that by changing my diet, went to a dietitian, went to all the things that I could possibly do. I started going to the gym to make sure that I exercised regularly or semi-daily basis more than I'd ever had. And so the stroke happened in August. By the end of January of 2020, I was off insulin. And I was very proud of that fact. Uh, my A1C was, at that time had it down to seven, just over seven from 13 when I was admitted. Coming up, Paul talks about managing his business during his recovery. In that time period, Malik took over my role in my business because he understood my business, he knew my business, and so he helped manage that while I was away. My team did a marvelous job at keeping the business afloat. Nothing fell apart at all. In fact, it actually grew in the 2020, and so I was really pleased with that. And his advice for stroke survivors. Listen to the medical professionals because they really were encouraging. If you don't know the situation, that's very helpful for you to understand which ways to go and listen to what they're saying. They're basically saying all the things that you've grown up with, eat healthy, exercise daily. These are the ways to keep yourself out of strokes way. Let's hear how Paul handled the first year of his recovery. 
I was able to fully go back to work about the November-ish time and stayed with that and then worked through getting off the insulin. But by obviously March, where we decided to take our very first vacation, and I don't know how long because that was one of the things that I wanted to do was take regular vacations because we deserved it. I needed to do that just for health sake, just for peace of mind sake. So we took our first vacation in March of 2020. And that's when obviously COVID what became big. Our state was locked down while we were in the airport heading to Florida. We still got to do our vacation and it was odd. It was as things were progressing COVID wise. It's just strange to go do something one day, then the next day it was shut down. And so that year was kind of a strange, tumultuous year because of the simple fact that COVID hit. But what I had done successfully as a business owner was have my team in place and have them ready to take on more responsibility, even though little did I know that I had geared them up for this type of responsibility unknowingly when I had the stroke. So in that time period, Malik took over my role in my business because he understood my business. He knew my business. And so he helped manage that while I was away. My team did a marvelous job at keeping the business afloat. Nothing fell apart at all. In fact, it actually grew in the 2020. And so I was really pleased with that. The COVID situation was difficult in that year between recovery and then having to pivot my business, just trying to stay afloat because I felt like I was out of sorts a little bit, you know, not connecting with people as much as I like to in person for obvious reasons because of the pandemic. So a lot of changes and a lot of growth for myself. And my wife, who was spectacular in my recovery process and being there for me while I was in the hospital, she is a true superhero. The community around me was just really, really, really amazing during that whole time. Paul says you should always listen to your doctors. They really were encouraging. If you don't know the situation, that's very helpful for you to understand which ways to go. And listen to what they're saying. They're basically saying all the things that you've grown up with, eat healthy, exercise daily. These are the ways to keep yourself out of strokes way, just being and living healthy and following the directions that they have set for you. Also, don't negate your community. Your community is there to help you and they want to see you make it to the next day and they will do whatever it takes to make sure that happens. Don't downplay that at all. People want to help you. And then finally, the families of the stroke survivor. Patience is key because there's a lot of differing recovery aspects. And sometimes you don't recover fully. I have not recovered 100%. And I don't know if I ever will. I'm the right side of my body's numb. I still have some cognitive situations and a lot of the cognitive situations nobody really notices i do such as your fatigue creates moments where you don't speak well and like i said the right side of my body is not fully functional it's numb on my foot my hands my arms parts of my leg and so understand those limitations 
But at the same time, your family members got to understand those limitations as well and be patient, be encouraging, you know, just be there because sometimes it's, it can be a little frustrating, especially when you can't express what's going on and you know that memory is sometimes an issue and it's just one of those things is grace and patience and consistency and presence. I think those are all really, really important. Paul made a very quick recovery. He was soon able to drive again and return to work full-time. Thanks very much for listening and supporting us at Stroke Stories. Please do recommend the podcast to anybody you think it might help. And do subscribe on your preferred provider and rate and comment on the episode you hear just to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.